Welcome to No Clip again. <laughs> I'm Shane Rutherford. I'm JJ Artimas. And I'm Andy Kay. And we're joined once again by Daniel Otten and Janelle Vickers. And we're going to be continuing the discussion of Breath of the Wild uh, based on wherever I feel like splicing this in. So, uh, you guys want to lead into a totally unknown conversation with anything? What is the most generalized intro to a conversation that you can possibly have? I mean, probably asking about the weather, right? You wouldn't believe what happened. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe what happened's a good one. That's very... Well, it'll be like... What follows is totally believable. <laughs> yeah. yeah it'll be like, you won't it. believe what happened, and we're like... Uh, well, like <laughs> stupid shit. I don't know. You splice in uh... podcast energy. <laughs> it's just like uh, it tanked at some point around the two and a half hour mark. Either way, stupid shit. <laughs> I can only be like a linguistic master for like two hours max. And then you guys need to cliff. I mean, I would need to grab, you know, take a pause, get a little snack, get a little snack, get your snack on. Please, we should have paused the podcast and got a snack. I got a snack. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. I can't emphasize the importance of a pause. The pause in the cast. Pause cast. Yeah. All right. Well, snack cast. You guys enjoy whatever it is that comes up right now. Did you two give your bottom line opinion on the departure from the traditional dungeon? So then, because when you first, Dan, when you first asked that question, I wasn't clear whether your complaint was with the aesthetics of the dungeon. Oh, I'm not, I wasn't really complaining. I just wanted to get everyone's thoughts. Sure, sure. Because it was a departure. Yeah. I complained about the aesthetics of the dungeons. Right. So I, the departure that you're referring to, are you referring to the aesthetics, the length, or both? I think the length, um, because there's not like the traditional well, like long challenging dungeon dungeons he, of previous funions, funions, challenging funions. All right, I'm out of the cast. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how I perceive the difference uh, and my general thoughts on it. Because you're right, we just ignored your question completely. Um, and he didn't. But that's because we're close. Yeah. That's true. I think uh, ignore it. I said I was pro. That's true. We're all close. Yeah. You guys are out with the friend, friend count. Friend, okay. friend count. <laughs> so count my, per, my perception of, of, of the difference between Dungeons and previous Zelda Dragons. games and the Divine Beasts in this one is the, the puzzles in this game, for the most part, that are contained within the, the Divine Beasts and not including shrine puzzles, are things that are all... Traversal based. It's get from here to there, and like whatever weird thing you have to do to accomplish that, do it. And in some cases, you don't even have to do it. You can just like make some fucking other way around it. Um, traditionally, Zelda pu- Zelda dungeon puzzles have been really abstract, like weirdly so. Where it's it kind of has the Resident Evil problem where. When you go to a, a temple in a Zelda game, you kind of walk in and you're like, there's no, like, logical reason why the way into that door is to get two statues to stand on either side of it, but that's what I'm going to do, and that's how I figured out how to do it. And it kind of plays, like, the 3D, more creative, fun, and interesting version of, like, a newspaper puzzle, where you're like... Oh, like it's a match, like match this pattern with this other pattern and kind of put it together and make it work. 
Zelda's been really good at designing puzzles like that. Yeah. yeah. Like a like a temple would be in like an Indiana Jones movie. Right. <laughs> Whereas in this game, I feel as though that's where it kind of gets shirked. Like you end up with this situation where you have puzzles that are they have some of these abstract puzzles, but they have a lot of more like very literal puzzles. In in the Vagruta dungeon. Uh, which is the elephant dungeon to uh (laughs) to get to a treasure chest it's literally just sandwiched between two blocks and you just have to move one of the blocks long enough to open the chest and it's got to be on an angle where you can open it right so it's like it's a whole physics thing and it's 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 very go ahead can i insert with this because a lot of the clues you get within the game is that this is in the far future and that you're working with what is currently modern technology. Right. So it's like, you know, you get the rubber tights, and it's like, oh, this was a material that was used a long time ago. And you're like, what do you mean? Rubber is... Oh, you know, this is not the, you know, long, long ago. So so I feel like that with that in mind, that they've taken a lot more, like, literal, mathematical, like, modern approach to the puzzles, much more so than in previous games where it's like this is like technological yeah you have basically an iphone in your pocket yeah and you're like hyperlinked to the rest of like the world like geo science geocaching yeah you yeah. Have, yeah. it's, it's, way, oh, yeah. it's yeah. way more advanced than an iphone yeah it's yeah. a wii u game oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the beasts are sheikah technology and the slate is sheikah technology right. and it can directly interact with so i'm not right. saying well, I'm, I'm not saying that your observations are incorrect or that that's baseless right. in, 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 in noting the difference and saying that it could be worse for it. I just feel like that's why they made the decisions that they did with the puzzle. Well, this is actually the point that I was getting to, is that regardless of, of, of why this approach was taken, I think this pro- approach generally, and especially for Breath of the Wild, as opposed to other Zelda games, is just way better. Like, oh, okay. I think that the, the physicality of the mm-hmm. puzzles and the actual, like, display and how you're expected to solve them and the fact that you can think outside the box right. is a better game design principle to build your game behind. Well, Do I think that they're necessarily better than a temple in another Zelda game? Not necessarily. Like, cohesive holes are very appealing to people. I like... Uh, Mario Sunshine because it is a cohesive whole and I still like Wind Waker a lot not because the dungeons are challenging or the puzzles are interesting but because they're thematically appropriate and it makes you feel good to be there and I think this game strikes a, a really good balance between the two yeah and I feel like as someone who doesn't have those sort of puzzling instincts like I mentioned earlier like I feel like I can walk into a, a temple or a shrine in this game and be like, okay, I can figure this out somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, I can mess with it enough that it will work and it won't, like, automatically kill me or punish me for doing so. Right. Or, like, send me to the beginning of this hellish water dungeon where I won't be <laughs> yeah, able to find my way out. Even... Um, but, like, I mean, that's... My point is just that I think that's why I like it is because they are bite-sized and they are more, like, tackleable for different sorts of people and different sorts of, like, creative minds, where, like, yeah, there are puzzles I have approached where I've been, like, I have no friggin' clue what to do, like, in Twilight Princess. Like, I just don't understand. Right. Because that's just, it just logically, the way that my mind operates, I can't figure out how the puzzle is set up. So I feel like you still do get those in certain shrines. Like, those are the shrines that I struggle with more. 
Mm -hmm. um, but you do have a lot more things that you can sort of logic your way through whatever your way happens to be. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like, I like the way the dungeons are designed like for this game. Like, I think it makes sense, the approach that they took, that, like, a lot of the way it's, like, you approach the dungeons is, like, just how do I get to that place? How do I work with the physics engine to get there? Right. Which is, like, the way the rest of the game is designed, which makes sense. But, like, I still think they're too short. Like, they, like there's an expectation for a dungeon in a Zelda game. Like, and I still think the dungeons could be longer, and you could still easily warp out of them and come back to them. You know, right. like, I don't think they would have had to sacrifice too much to make them m more... Well, you know what Chad always says. Brevity is the spice of life. That's true. <laughs> yeah, to make them more satisfying. Because, like, I don't think any of them took me more than, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, the water temple took me the longest, and it was... That was the first one I did, and I was like, a little Okay, I'm gonna yeah, go it's, off. It's one of those things. It's like expectation. Yeah, like being right. such a long time Zelda fan, when you get to a dungeon, you think, "Oh yeah, here we go, buckle down, dungeon time." I think, I think a lot of people have that reaction. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Like I said, I like what's there. I just it feels like it's too on the light side. I sort of integrating a, a lot of the really good things we've already said about this differences in mechanical Very expectations smart. in these dungeons here. Um, I think. One of the problems that, and one of the reasons why I felt like they were forced to pare down the, the dungeon size into the smaller section, or was a, an interaction between two different problems, uh, which is first they were trying really hard in the design of the dungeons to make them non-linear in a sense that was still evocative of the non-linearity that exists in all the other mechanics in the overworld, like it's unlike pretty much all other Zelda dungeons that are modern. I know from watching some videos and stuff that the pre-modern dungeons weren't like this, but pretty much from Ocarina of Time on, all of the dungeons have been like linear steps and tracks. You solve your pun you'll solve the puzzles relatively sequentially. You have to eventually, even if you come on the, even if you learn about the rooms non-sequentially. Whereas in this game, as soon as you get the map, it's just all up to you. And you have all the little, the five little lights in each dungeon, and you're the person who has to tackle what direction that you get the lights. And I'm sure all of us got those lights in a different order. And I'm sure that you had an easier time finding them because of your experience playing Metro and Prime. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Ugh, oh, that's, that's I was at thing. home in this map. Really oh, hold on. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah, which is that, and that's that is one problem they had they wanted an expectation for themselves to keep the dungeons non-linear in a sense that was still evocative of the mechanic set they chose for the game but the other problem that i think they run in, they ran into which wouldn't be a problem for us but seems like a very nintendo thing to be concerned about was overwhelming players with information because if they wanted to keep the dungeons still non-linear like that the only solution that they would have had to that problem is make them physically larger and make more of the little activation shrines, other than just five. And in order to scale up the dungeons, I feel like, to a time scale that would have been acceptable to them, they would have either had to make maps that were so big as to be confusing, or have so many lights pop up all at the same time to be overwhelming. Not to us, but to younger right. people. Or they could have designed the maps in a different way. <laughs> I love the Metroid. Uh, I like the maps too, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like oh, the maps themselves, yeah. I was going to say, I like the dungeon designs as well, because I like the... Well, okay, my favorite one, I think, 
was the Goron one, uh, where you could make it like go ninety degrees. Because I felt like that had the it used its movement gimmick the best uh, of all of them. Because with the the weird like rolly electrical thing didn't really change anything other than like what circuits were there. Varuta's was just a solution to two of the puzzles, effectively. Yeah. And um Moving I, I, I used Elephant was cool. It was I used cool, yeah. a lot because I'd be like, oh, like I guess the for banking. me, well, like like yeah. I said, it's I I felt like at least with these smaller puzzles that I had more leeway to try things, mm-hmm. and if I messed up, it wasn't going to affect this giant space that I was trapped within, you right. know. So if I was like, oh, maybe I if I tilt this, it'll help me like see something that I was missing in this puzzle. So if I went from you know the low left wing to, like, center. Like, that didn't do anything about it. I put the right wing down, you know? And just, you know, I'd be able to, like... Once I figured out that that was something that was within my power to do, I would do that and see, like, maybe, oh, I can fly from this point to another point more easily now that I've moved it. So that is something that I actually liked with the smaller spaces, whether it's the shrine or the smaller dungeon. is uh, And and knowing that the whole time I had the option of leaving yeah maybe to, that just maybe that just comes from me being paranoid about being trapped places well, I mean, but it's like i'm locked <laughs> into solving this giant dungeon and i cannot leave until i figure it out and like i don't want to play this right now but i want to play something else in yeah. this world that you know? exactly to jj's point basically like i cannot imagine as somebody who's spent time in physical spaces in in game spaces simulating actual physical spaces as much as i have Having something very large that moves internally with a fully simulated physics system. Like, that just sounds like a disaster. Like, you're like, alright, I'll turn this 90 degrees to the left, and then it's just like, oh, batten down the hatches, guys. Like, treasure chests and boxes are cascading from the right side of the room. You're falling 40 feet into a hole you didn't even know was there. Like, it would just be catastrophic in a way that I can't even imagine. Uh, Just, like, expanding on the rooms that exist. Well, just thinking of the Ocarina water dungeon. There was that part where you could raise and lower the water level. Right. You know, and that was something that, like, I always felt really nervous before I did. Where it's like, oh my god, if I mess this up, I have to go all the way back to the And it would take a long time. (laughs) Time is bad, I win. Dude, that is that legitimately takes a lot of time. Yeah, well, I mean, that, well, that's the thing is like if if I mess it up, it's gonna change the entire dungeon, right. and then I have to redo so much that I already did to try to correct my mistake. Whereas with this, I couldn't, you know, I have control over this very small area. Yeah, you can tweak it a little. bit. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah and I don't feel like I'm going to mess up and lose myself a lot yeah, of time. It's basically the same idea. It's just instead of having to physically walk somewhere to change it. You just pop open your map and do it from there, yeah. and it, it's Again, way, way quicker. It takes a I little bit more design structure for that. Yeah, than to just let that you do it wherever. They have to make sure they design the physics-based puzzles in all of the spaces such that turning it doesn't destroy your progress in prior rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of the central idea of all the dungeons, that like you can manipulate the layout of the whole dungeon. Like right. It just rotates or moves in some way. That, I think that's a pretty genius idea. It's, like, an idea they've been kind of done before, where, like, in, like, Water Temple or temples that you can, like, flip, mm-hmm. things like that. 
But in this game, they're all like that. And they work to varying degrees. But... Yeah, I, yeah you do flip a dungeon in Majora's Mask, but I think that the, the safest version of this is the, uh, the, the Goron uh, temple in Majora's Mask. Because there's just an area where you just punch out sections of the central pillar. And the reason that it's safe is because it just happens and it's permanent. And it doesn't fuck up anything that you can do. And I, I think that they kind of want to go with the same thing. Where if you turn a thing 90 degrees to the left, you can always turn it back and everything will basically be the same. Because everything's just nailed to the ground. Yep. So then I guess to, to give like my permanent answer to the first half of Daniel's question, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, actually, for all the reasons described between all of us, pro the mechanical changes here. I agree that shortening the size of the dungeon was a cost. It's not, it's not good, and I also would have preferred it to be longer. But there was a lot of other factors providing pressure against keeping them long like that. But I still I think you could have taken a dungeon and like made it bigger say like you take one of the dungeon and make it twice the size and then you have like two different <laughs> look at so Janelle. big like look at what look at what that would just be did a big bird in the sky but then you could bring instead of just <laughs> scaling it up and making it this huge huge you dungeon link Half as yeah, big. you make Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln's very small. Salt. Uh, now, instead of just scaling it yeah. up and like making it this huge structure that turns and shit's flying everywhere, like Chad uh, was saying earlier, and uh, say you break it up into like two different kind of puzzles, where like you have like a half, the first half, where if everything rotates this way, you make it through all that, then you get to the second half where everything moves in a different way. It, you know, like, I feel like there's ways you could, like, link a couple, like, uh, <laughs> link two different ideas together into, like, a longer dungeon. Okay. So, do we want to move on to the aesthetic half of his question? <laughs> Not really. No, let's They all on. do look a lot the same. Can but be boring, I think that there's but... a good reason for it, I guess. Which is? It, the fact that they're all, they were all, like, effectively built and, like, refurbished like they were sent to a best buy by the Hylians when they were like Discovered. getting them ready to yeah. like defend themselves so. we have too many times on this podcast like lore is in Made service to the time. circumstances we can't use the circumstances to justify what I'm sorry I'm getting confused <laughs> so are we we've, okay. we've said this too many times on the podcast in the past you can't you're reference def- you're defending like, decisions that were made in the game based on the lore instead of saying that the lore could have been used in support of the decisions that were made thank you got you I mean I totally yeah, think like, that I wasn't thinking too hard on Best Buy shit I honestly do believe that it was just something that was shoehorned into the 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 story like the plot of the game in order to compensate for the fact that they then wouldn't have to design a bunch of assets for all these dungeons if you have an opinion that's like relevant on the aesthetics by all means but i just really didn't care that they all looked the same at all i kind of liked it i kind of felt that like orange was like comforting and yeah, blue was good. even more comforting like it's just what yeah. you That's know. color theory. Orange, yeah. pretty comforting. Blue, more comforting. even more comforting. Yeah. <laughs> it really bothered me. It's one of my least favorite creative decisions in the game. Oh, I'm yeah. just gonna have to sit this one out until uh, we get to the yeah. next. Yeah, I point just then. like 
I like the like Sheikah technology look and theme throughout the whole game, but yeah. like having all the shrines, there being one hundred and twenty of them, plus the four dungeons, have the same art assets, it gets old. Like, especially when you have the expectations of the Zelda franchise, which usually has a lot to differentiate the dungeons. It it stands out to me. And I don't like it. Yeah, my I on this I'm pretty much with Andy. I think uh not to add on more things that they could have added on to their seven years of development time. Right. Yeah. Like it's Just not recognizing that, a, yeah. a point of improvement. It's not, not that big a deal. Right. But I, I would have also preferred for there to be like more visual diversity uh, in the kind of dungeons that you are going through. Like the the main things that diversify the divine beasts is what they look like outside of themselves. But because of how big they are, every single one is just a big stone puzzle room in essentially the sky. Sometimes they're literally flying, sometimes they're on huge legs, but if you fall off you lose, and they're big enough that you fall off. Yeah. Well, I feel like the amount of time that's spent in Dungeons and Shrines in comparison to the rest of the world is such a minute portion of your gameplay experience that the fact that they all look the same helps to like make them a cohesive thing where you're like these are all like ancient these are all very and old things that's still that's like justifying like them being kind of lazy because like you could still have them all you could still have them all look like Sheikah technology you could still have them all look like ancient ruins but still have some visual variety. I agree. Uh, I, I think it's a false dichotomy here. Like, I think that they could have done even really similar to what they ended up doing is a circumstance in which the beasts aren't just being shitty, but maybe the beasts are, like, broken or, like, still partially buried after the time, and they're thus integrated with their surrounding terrain. Imagine mm, the salamander yeah. dungeon with, like, lava going through it or the water dungeon with sections in which water is in it. Like, you could, you could keep things where what you're in is very obviously, like, old technology that thematically fits together while still differentiating the setting that you're in in, like, color and environment. Yeah, I, I like that point. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, like, the burger temple could have, like, holes in the ceiling where, like, sunlight's pouring in. And, like, there could be all kinds of different visual touches to, like, make them, to differentiate them. That they just didn't do. Uh, well, I think that's fair enough. I think that they're definitely... Well, I mean, the Bird Temple does have those windows that open and close. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ancient Sheikah... Like, power what? windows. That's what those are things are called? Power, power windows? windows? Like in a car? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I meant like... Oh. Like, what's the stereotype that seems to always be in Saturday morning cartoons where you have a circular door where all of the things are like sort of like edged? They're like curved pedals that sort of come together and, and open up again? What? I have no I have, I honestly have no clue. Oh, fuck. Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, do you remember... Okay, here's, here's one that you've probably all seen. Uh, did you... You remember the, near the end of, I think, the the Batman movie with the Joker in it, the old one? Uh, animated? Tim Burton no. Batman? Tim Burton Batman, uh, the one... Oh, sorry, not the Joker. The, the Riddler. The Riddler. The Riddler. My mistake. Oh, where with uh, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey is Carrey's the Riddler. Yeah. End of that movie, been two individuals that are in those tubes... Uh, like uh, hanging over the pit, where he's like, "You gotta pick one." The Riddler says to Batman. Oh wait, do you mean like the? 
This is such an amazing case study because it's like we could literally go back and be like, JJ forgot about this. JJ remembers a door that was seen in the 1991 Batman. Do you mean doors that open and close like a sphincter? Yes. Not not universally, because again, it's not it's not like because a sphincter has like meat that like opens and closes. Like, oh my god! Yeah, but, but let's cut that from the cast, please. He does all cast, but what I'm talking about are what they have. Yes. these what What these things have, what these, what the style of door has, is like in four, normally about four individual curved blades that go like. Yeah, whoosh, I now know whoosh, what you're talking about. Yes, we all know. That's totally a sphincter door. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I think that's the official name. Of it. <laughs> I think that's the official where, name. Where of the was episode. this going? Uh, those I was trying to remember what the name of those doors were because those are the doors that are in the side of the air temple. Those are also the doors in Metroid <laughs> Prime, which I can't believe wasn't a touchdown for you. And they all aren't exactly the same, but they're similar enough that I'll give it to you. Oh yeah, yeah. That was very important. Yeah. So that's uh, our discussion on the aesthetic of uh, <laughs> of those dungeons. Should be more buttholes. I actually more think um, more sphincter this might be like something no one else thought of, or maybe I'm just not like sophisticated enough to describe it better. Yeah, not. I got like probably not. Definitely. <laughs> um, I thought that this game, more than any other game I've played, substantially reminded me uh, aesthetically of like a Miyazaki film. Yeah. Um, and I, there might be others that are better. Or that are closer to like that art style, but are that you guys was like trying to edge me out of the podcast. Is that what's happening? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we're gonna talk about aesthetics. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have much. Else, I don't have much else to say other than I get. <laughs> I really got that like pleasant, whimsical feel that you get with Miyazaki. Yeah, other people have made in the this. Comparison. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's widely it's been widely held since the early trailers. That okay. is one hundred percent what they're going for yeah. here. And it other than I, yeah, the specific works. game, Nino Kuni, which Studio Ghibli did the art for, <laughs> uh, this game probably looks the most like a Miyazaki movie. Okay. Of any that I've ever played. Would you like to join the cast again, Chad? I I wouldn't mind. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That I wasn't don't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <No>, uh, <laughs> Um, Can we go back to my cans of worms? Uh, yeah, I've got what cans were left. Well, we've gone through at least two cans, but um, <laughs> <laughs> crack open another. <laughs> I have like some very short notes, one big thing, and then talking about the boss that I would I like say, to do. I say I have a complaint. Okay. Look really quick, because I feel like this has to eventually lead into your complaint, because mm, it seeps its roots seep into every aspect of this mm, game. I know his complaints are very unique mm. and particular. I cannot I believe that after doing an episode of Overwatch, where we talked about how that game borrowed its mechanics from lots of other games. That we did not yet mention the fact that this game cribs, like, 90% of what you do from other games. And, like, pretty explicitly, and really obviously. <laughs> Please make it obvious to me. Okay. So, we got a big open world game. Nintendo not really known for that. No. Uh, very Western design philosophy, in fact. Um, we then complement that open world design by climbing towers. Uh, there's like a now back to the east uh, shadow of the colossus fight with all of the uh, 
uh, th- it's basically Shadow of the Colossus if they just told you how to beat it before <laughs> you did it. And I love these moments as well. Like yeah. I absolutely love doing like the all of the the pre Divine Beast f- fight whatevers. But they're pretty dead simple as far as like actual mechanics go. Yeah, they're set pieces. Yeah, then that's their whole purpose. But it is. It's Shadow of the Classes to the point where, like, the elephant one was, like, exactly the same as one of the, 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 like, flying snake colossus <laughs> who, like, dips his, uh, his, like, scales into the sand and you ride up on him and then climb up it. Uh, we have, we, like, there is some of the Ubisoft open world design in here. Absolutely. There's some Metal Gear Solid Five in, in this game. Uh, while... You don't have, uh, like, a Fulson balloon that, like, pulls people straight up. You have a tiny balloon that carries things around. I'm not going to call that the same. By the way, just for reference, uh, I think I, like, skipped that reading or something. I, it was only until after I beat the game when I realized you could just make anything you wanted float with those fucking balloons. Oh, it's oh. so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got it. I didn't realize that God. for a long time. Pick the game was... back up for, like, a little bit and do that. <laughs> I, it's, I almost it's just never fun. did it. <laughs> oh, I use it all the time. Not for any practical me. reason, just because it's funny. Yeah, uh, of course. But I, I, if you I just like, like, discuss any part of this game, there's probably a touchdown for it. I feel like, though, if this were like any other franchise except Zelda, like I would lean more towards that as a criticism, or I'd be closer to agreeing with you. But like, I don't consider it a criticism because I think that they're very careful uh, about yeah. the things that they put. Uh, yeah, so to say, I, I think they're very careful about it as well, and it's also like they're trying to harken back to the original Zelda as well. Like they have their own personal touchstone that they're trying to emulate and right. they're also borrowing from all these other modern uh advances so like it makes it feel more like its own thing than like if some other company tried to do a game like this and borrow from everywhere it would feel super derivative i and, and unless i'm just being a dumb forgetful dumbass Probably. i i don't know of a touchstone for maybe the most important mechanical move that this game makes which is the physics system. Like they had to, they had to fucking build the physics engine that this game rests upon. I'm curious. Really, uh, <laughs> I'm really <laughs> curious, actually, as to what you mean. The like, like, like the interactions between items, like the the fact that uh, you have to, you can light everything on fire. That you can like create spots of wind. That wind influences everything dynamically. That you freeze all of this stuff. That. In, in the GDC talk, they referred to it, I remember, as, like, elements or something, like, elemental interactions. Uh, like, like even things that... Even things that you wouldn't really consider, like, like straight elements, uh, like, like I think, like, force is, like, an element, technically, in their system, as represented in uh, the... Like, like how the lock. The, Oh, stasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, that, that sort of, like, applied force, like, wind is, like, an, ele- is like an element, the lightning stuff, obviously. All the, all the little tiny bullshit things... But most of the time, for most people who play video games, is lighting shit on fire in cool ways. Right. Like, what's the touchstone for that? For just... <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't think of another game that has, like... What? That what? degree of, like, Every single immersive sim has so, all of these, like, elements But to in it. the same way? Where is I mean, not exactly the same yeah, way. Skyrim I, I is hardly Skyrim an immersive sim. Far Cry sim. doesn't have it. Far Cry has... Far Cry's box... 
promotion was the fact that it had a realistic fire system. And yeah, the reason like, that's a thing. You can't, like, cut down trees That's just, like, Far Cry. Water, you like, can cut down trees in Far Cry. It's not a matter of Far Cry. Not Far Cry 4. That's not even a game. It's not, like, it's not even on the same level, though, that it almost doesn't even feel like the same thing. You see, the crazy thing to me is that, like... It's so much more in-depth in this game. I feel like you're giving it more credit either because it's a Nintendo game or because you haven't spent a lot of time with these types of games. The ability to interact with a system with physics like this is not unique to no, this I'm game. No, I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying, like, to this degree. Yeah, it's an, I think what he's saying is that it's an iteration on the concept, not a careful curation or stealing of another concept. Like, Nintendo, like, took the idea of towers from Ubisoft right. and then pruned off things about the tower system, like, the, the, using them as information dumps that right. they didn't like. So, I can't think of another game where, in one single, like, enemy encounter, I could, like, start a fire and, like, blow it with a leaf to, like, spread it all the way over to, like, some barrels that'll explode and kill the enemies. Or, like, I could just grab their weapons with a magnet and throw them off a cliff. Or I could, like, light a fire right where I'm at and then, like, ride an updraft and fly in and drop bombs on them. Or, like, there's, like, there's so many... (laughs) You're just saying the longer you go, the stronger my point becomes. So this is I can't think of another game that has that many options at any given point. That's the trick, though. You're getting bogged down in specifics because... Game every game that is a sandbox like this, all the way from Grand Theft Auto at like the lowest end to the like most extreme examples of this being like Metal Gear Solid Five or um, Hit, fucking Hitman. Hitman. Too Hitman is like a beautiful example of this because Hitman is a thing where you can interact with everything in every possible way, and the way that people perceive you and what you're doing is just as important as the thing you're doing itself. Whereas, like, in Metal Gear Solid, yeah, you can sneak in and, like, take somebody's weapons and go put them in a river and be like, ha-ha, joke's on you. You're <laughs> I'm the only right one with weapons now. Um, like, that's a, that, that is a thing that has a direct correlation, but it's not... Like, I don't believe that just because they've chosen these specific things to be interactable that it's the like that this is some grand iteration it's just a different flavor of something that already exists which i think is largely true of this game in a lot of its things the thing that's unique about it is one it has so much content that it is authored and two that it has like nintendo polish like it's an incredible game that exists within this incredible world that just does a lot of cool things that may or may not have come from other places. <laughs> like, I didn't want to leverage that as a criticism initially. Mm-hmm. I think you've actually sold me on this. I think this is this is the beginning of something that I imagine after this game is going to get solved in the popular culture relatively soon. I think right now we have sort of a language failure about, uh, I guess, what I'm going to call, like, immersive mechanic sets like we need a way to distinguish like the kind of like ubisoft style open world structures of games from our hitmans our far cry 2s and our breath of the wilds and our metal gear solid 5s like i don't know where the line gets drawn for 
when mechanical interaction turns it into whatever these like styles of games are mm-hmm. but we need a turn for it of some kind <laughs> to be fair the uh the Korak leaf and the torch i think are like just actually the two best weapons in the game for the sole purpose that they can be used in like a fucking million ways. Yeah. And that kind of thing where you can blow a thing from one end of the map to the other or that you can just light anything on fire and yes, use it as an updrafting carry is what makes this game as good as it is. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Didn't mean to leverage as a criticism, didn't mean to come off as confrontational either. It's a- Just very cool shit that this game does, but it's it feels like an iteration on something else. They sort of did the Blizzard thing. Yeah, they did the Blizzard thing. Yeah. Uh, they actually didn't tie into like one of the things that really bothers me about this. Right. Uh, it this is gonna be like it might sound like incredibly egregiously nitpicky to some people, <laughs> depending on like what kind of games you're used to playing or not. But like this is an example where I'm like really Dark Souls spoiled at this point. Oh my god! The, I hate that I have to. I hate that I have to pause the game to use a healing item. I love pausing the game as much as I want. I love being like, you know what? I'm gonna go take a piss. Pause. Go pee. Come back. We're good. Uh, I'm not you know s- what? I want to go take a snack. You know what? I just want to go look I'm, at my inventory. I'm different, and just different point. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying I love that you can't pause Dark Souls. I'm saying. <laughs> but, you I, are. but I'm saying I wish, Dark Souls. I wish that you could map the food to like the down on the D-pad so I could use it like I had a quick select we get a whistle. so that I didn't have to stop but see, I combat like, to pause I to like, eat food and yeah. be in no well, danger there are many cases where the, health the down D-pad was I like that so whatever yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I wish I it's could it's super realistic yeah. But it also yeah, like, wrecked. It's one of those things, like, it's not unique to Breath of the Wild. Tons of games have you paused to heal. Yeah. That's something that needs to go away. Before everyone interrupted me, my comparison was going to be, I want to pause and have a snack. And that Link like, can be like, I'm going to have a pause and a snack. <laughs> and I like that. He and I are the same boy. We both value just stopping what we're doing and having a snack. Having a are you know snack. I want a mushroom and meat kebab. Linky does too. Link likes to eat raw meat sometimes. Just Link, weird. Link loves raw fish. <laughs> like, I remember being like, "Do I have to cook this to eat it?" Do no. these food? <laughs> oh my god! I cannot believe down. it. The last note that I took that I was like, "No way!" Am I gonna have an opportunity to put this in? Here? <laughs> Link can't eat a raw stick of butter. <laughs> but Doctor makes... Daniel Shapiro can. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It's just amusing. Because he can eat like a raw I've steak. seen a real life human being eat a raw stick of butter. Yeah, Link won't in do it. In my actual day to day life. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him that Link won't do it. Yeah. yeah. Look, not even but Link will. Just a raw piece of steak that he just cut out from like a, a wolf. sheep or a wolf. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is an amazing or uncooked shame. poultry, which is like insanely that's bad. That's very Yeah, humorous. that's super bad for you. Because I. Because you just connected. To my thing that I thought was in my notes and never going to come up ever, ever, ever. <laughs> in relation to the you butter. also have a note that just says Link can't eat a rustic. No, <laughs> no. It's different. If I'm correct, the correct with this, the, gutter, the butter is goat butter, right? In this game? Yeah. Is, sure. You say it's goat butter? It, yeah. I think it's just called I'm waiting to see what this yeah. one is. Are there cows in the Zelda universe in this game? 
there Name are, one cow. They're bulls. There are bulls. There are bulls. Which yeah, as a as uh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. means that there are cows. <laughs> Does it? I mean, I yes. Are there milk cows literally anywhere? Is there any evidence that milk cows exist? But if they're male cows, then I just think by implication they're female cows. This is a fantasy. Because how did game. the male cow come to exist? We're not <laughs> saying that they're bulls because they have dicks. We're saying that they're bulls because they have horns that well, we associate with male cows. Video. <laughs> this yeah. game is such an immersive sim that it even simulated <laughs> genitalia on the wildlife. Wow. You just didn't even notice. Breath yeah. of the wildlife. No, that's, I, I don't know, actually. I, this, like, really freaked You're me so out cool. by, like, halfway through the game that I could not anywhere, nowhere, more? find evidence it's that they were cows. <laughs> well, then I guess there aren't cows. Like, why is that... Are why there, is that freaking There are lots of other well, animals that presumably are. Say, no, 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 but, like, like, like... Because it's a change. It's not that they like made like the decision to like. Well, no, this aren't. Because there are cows in don't, other games. Don't the the milk the bottles have a picture of a cow on them? Uh, I think they're just they're just glass bottles with milk in them. I, sw- I swear. One line milk got... definitely has a cow. Right, 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 right. Oh yeah, in that's my point. Of time, there are cows. That, yeah. That's what's freaking me out about this. Because there used to be cows explicitly in the setting. Because you can find the ranch. None of this. You can find. We Exactly zero. Breath of the Wild takes place in a post cattle universe. Right. Did cows go extinct? That's the much my note. Did cows go extinct? (laughs) Hold on. I don't remember, but I feel like in this game, like the picture of the bottle of milk has a label on it. I literally just got milk from Uh, a woman. Uh, whose sheep I was protecting from the monsters plus, even if there's pictures of cows Beach. on the bottle of milk doesn't mean the cows didn't go extinct. That's true, that's true. It so. could be, yeah, like a holdover. Like kind of like how we put pictures of kiwi on <laughs> kiwi fruits. Exactly. Kiwi aren't extinct. But they also are not what produce kiwi fruit. Also, true, this seems like an example of a different phenomenon. The kiwi... <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be correct in this. <laughs> Unless they're like, we accidentally made extinct the kiwi producing kiwis. Right, yeah. They yeah, did exist. True. Yeah. Uh, though, the cow extinction can go into like an actually important topic. <laughs> oh, fuck you. But to be fair, my topic wasn't important either. Uh, <laughs> so, but what really I can believe and understand so fully is that at some point you were like, Eat this, Link. Yeah, I tried Eat to it. just like stuff a stick Eat of butter it. in the window. And he's like, no, Chad. And Link was like, I don't, Please I don't, don't. do that. <laughs> yeah. No. And you then you're like, well, what about this mushroom? But what about can... this, like, lizard? You know, I didn't <laughs> try just cooking butter, like, one stick yeah. of butter. Melty butter? Just, <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. It, probably. <laughs> can, you just, can you just, like, melt the butter and then you're like, yeah, right, then Link's like, this is delicious. But yeah. you're like a sadistic, <laughs> like, god overlord yeah. who is like, eat the butter. Yeah, and don't eat fight any of these enemies and just paraglide everywhere. Yeah. Right, so I imagine you can't eat rock salt either, right? No, you can't. No, okay. you can't eat it in that. But it specifically says you can't eat it in this form. Form, yeah. It yeah. doesn't say that with butter. Yeah. It's just like, this is butter from a goat. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to imply that you could eat it. The, the thing that I was getting at uh, earlier, like now way earlier, um, is that even if we do live in a post-cow society in this world... <laughs> Uh, the questions come up a lot. It, does this game work in the, like, now official Zelda timeline? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are claiming that it doesn't fit, and to me, it feels like the last game. I don't See, care. You mean, like, yeah. the, the end of the iterations, or just, like, the most recent? 
No, I feel like it is the end. Like, if you were to plot out the, the Zelda timeline, the way that this game ends feels like Very they finite. want to end the Zelda franchise. I don't even a little bit agree with that. I don't think there's anything, <laughs> any way they could end a Zelda game that would imply that they were using it yeah. as an end of the franchise. Like, I literally don't think there's a thing they could do. Like, I think that if you were gonna do that, I feel like the end of The Wind Waker, maybe? Maybe. Would be the way to go? Or it's just like, Hyrule's gone, let it sink below the ocean. (laughs) Who doesn't listen to fucking dialogue now? In (laughs) The Wind Waker, uh, you... Go find a new kingdom. Right, well, you kill Ganon, Dorf. Uh, you seal him, I guess. Ganon, you stab him through the fucking face. head. <laughs> and seal him away, at which point he then reincarnates. Of course. In this game, they literally say he has given up on incarnation, on reincarnation. You are fighting Ganon's true form. Zelda blasts a hole in the side of him and you shoot him with light arrows until he dies. It, but, it like, actually makes it seem like it's final. But that's not an explicit textual description. I think you can infer that line to mean he's given up being reincarnated in this cycle. What you're fighting is the spirit of Ganon that wanted to take on physical form and created its horrible crab monster. Which is amazing. In the mid-process. And you've stopped that. He's no longer trying to reincarnate himself. it's, It's Zelda. Like, Yo, no, I don't. I didn't mean to imply. Kind of bullshit anyway. I agreed. Like, <laughs> okay, I have like seven things to say. Okay. One, I mean, I commented on this earlier off mic. This that, is what I wanted you to. Yeah, to well, that it started to. as you know they made a few games that were not supposed to be canonically linked, but just involved the same named and appearance of characters, and that it was the fandom who sort of. Invented the then And then everyone just sort of ran with it from the fans and creators, etc. But to play off of what you're saying, even even if you say that this is the end of this, you know, the end of reincarnation and there's never another future reincarnation in the timeline, right. that doesn't mean you can't go back and tell other stories right. within the timeline. That wasn't necessarily my implication. Well, uh, I mean, well, like, this is going to be the final game... Of the timeline, the fran- you yeah. said you said in the franchise, which means the end of any future production of Zelda games, but uh, not necessarily Zelda games that could be produced, but right, take place right, within yeah, the like, canonical quote unquote timeline. So no more Link Zelda. There was definitely a semantics issue there. <laughs> this is the last need... chronological game. Okay, we need to clear the like. air. We need to sage the space. Right. The only thing that I can think of. For the incorrect semantic interpretation before, like the way because like, I was sitting here while you guys were talking, trying to think of like if I wanted to make a Zelda game that really implied this was the last Zelda game that was ever going to be made, how would you do it? Yeah, right. I think you would have to do like a Star Trek: The Next Generation thing, where like all the links from every timeline are somehow like pulled together <laughs> through science bullshit and are like working together to stop something important. I don't know. It's like the Spider Verse kind of link, it, yeah, right? Or or like uh, in like. Fucking Mega Man's Final Smash and Smash Brothers. Oh, like, they bring it's like, in all it's of like the It's like the spirits of all the Mega Man like, <laughs> shooting a beam at the same time. Yeah. It's like when he delivers the final blow against Ganon, it's like all the links like, stabbing the sword. Yeah, that'd be pretty dope. 
Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Well, once the Nintendo ship is on fire <laughs> and like falling yeah. falling out of the sky, yeah. you got That's your plan it. now. You know. yeah. I actually, this is something we didn't touch on. This is the other thing that I was thinking about that didn't get brought up. I think the tutorial to this game is like genius for an open world game. Like the, the plateau section? Yes. Because it gives you basically everything appealing about the whole game in this contained area, but that's still huge. Right. And invites exploration. It's like, it's a tutorial without feeling like a tutorial. And, well, I, and, it, and it forces you to learn everything you need to know yes. to get through the rest of the game but before it, it lets you leave. But it doesn't feel like it's forcing it right. on you. And also, it lets you see the whole rest of the world. Like, having it be a plateau in the middle of the map, that's the part that feels like the most genius to me. Because, like... It makes you want... To, like, it builds up anticipation for the open world. Right. While still giving you an open world to explore at the same time so you don't feel like you're being held back. Yeah. So, like, by the time you get off the plateau, you already have, like, five things you want to go check out. Right. Because you've been able to see them. Yeah, it's really... Uh, in addition to setting up expectations for largely the rest of the game, uh, one of the, the more ingenious elements is when you go to the top of the tower and he tells you to mark things with your slate... You will almost inevitably mark something that isn't on the plateau. Yep. And you will probably look at that and be like, I'm leaving that pin there. <laughs> I didn't And I'll that. get it in a minute. <laughs> and then you, like, go do your shit, and then you've still got that, like, red pin going, like, go fucking over well, see, here. see, here's my problem, because he was like, mark everything on your map. And then I did, and then I wanted to talk to him and get gratification, and I wanted to be like, you know, look, look, Pop. <laughs> I did it, Pets. and he was just like, well, "What are you waiting for? I can't hold your hand." And I'm not like, your dad. Uh, uh, okay, and then I like went in my shrines, and he was like, "I'm the king of Hyrule," and I'm like, "Well, I guess I forgive you for being so callous." <laughs> did he go back to the cabin afterwards yes. and like read his journal? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he leaves you like a message, which oh, I thought was nice. Jesus. Oh, that cat the one that just was like, "Here's how you make a." Yeah, yeah. he leaves yeah. you a message. Oh. Also, did you find his secret study in the that. castle? His secret? yeah, the king's secret. It was study. not castle. Zelda's study. The king's, the king's secret study. I don't think so. Yeah, he has a diary there too, which is pretty sweet. That's awesome. is it just like oh, I had this great seafood dish? But <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was. It was yeah. fish and something it. else. Uh, Man, so, I thought it was so thorough yeah, in Hyrule like, Castle. I can't believe I missed something. Hyrule Castle may be my favorite part of the game. Okay, so let's begin with Hyrule Castle, and I want to know how you guys, I guess, can like just take a nap or something, because <laughs> I know that you haven't finished the game. Um, but for you guys, I'm, I'm curious, how did you approach Hyrule at the end of the game? Because I stormed Hyrule Castle like I had assumed a hero would do, and went in through the front door... And then took the path that went up around the, the castle, which puts you into, like, two necessary fights with Lynels, and then, like, a whole shtick, and then but you fight the thing. This is Breath of the Wild, so you can just run away from those Lynel fights. Oh, you could, or you do what I do, and just uh, banish them to another dimension with an ancient arrow. Uh, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> but, 
then later while I was collecting the shrines, the last one is in like this in like the the docks of Hyrule yeah. Castle. I got that one. Yeah. On my first trip through there. Yeah, because that is the way to go through Hyrule Castle. Because I basically went all the way back up to where Ganon was, just exploring through there, and that's how I, like the Hylian Shields down there, and lots of like the the silver enemies. That is so fucking cool that I wish that they had done, like, way more work at, like, signposting that. I will well, say, there was... there's a guy at the stable yep. that's right by the docks, yep. and he's like, ooh, there are these guys who go hunt treasure, and there's an opening <laughs> through the docks, and they've never come back, presumably, because they're rich and enjoying all Okay, I didn't well. find that guy. I did find somebody who was like, uh, which of these races do you most associate probably with? probably not Corsus. choose... <laughs> If you choose Zora, they tell you, like, oh, if you're a Zora-type dude, go ahead and swim in through the uh, the mm-hmm. back, and it, it, like, he explains that as well. Yeah. So there's these two people I know that tell you to do to, it. To go through the docks, yeah. But... that's I mean, yeah. I haven't done it See, yet, but I knew that's where I would go. I yeah. actually didn't even realize you could go in the front gate. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's yeah, like, right knock, in. Knock, knock, like, because <laughs> <I>, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was like. What? I, I paraglided in. Like, I found. Like, I went around the side, like to the left, and like paraglided down and like climbed up from there. But like, yeah, when I once I was in there, like, I ex- I tried to explore it as thoroughly as I could, um, but I wasn't gonna like super go through it with like a very fine tooth comb because like everybody can kill you in there like pretty easily. Yeah, but uh, it. Probably some of my favorite moments with the game, because it's the thing that felt most like a traditional Zelda dungeon to me. Yeah. This is the fifth dungeon that we were pining for upon finishing the Rito dungeon, or I guess the Gerudo in your case. Uh, Yeah, going into this, I was like, this feels like... This feels like moments in, uh, like, specific moments in other Zelda games. This is like the ramped up version of uh, the first, like, the stealth dungeon from Wind Waker. Yeah. It feels like a ramped up version of Hyrule Castle in Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or Twilight Princess. Or, or Twilight. Whatever. Yeah. It's like just a scaled up version of everything that used to be cool, making it scaled and, up cool. And they did a really great job of making it feel lived in, or like it had been lived in. Like it felt more like a real castle. Right. Yes. They also did a pretty good job making it feel like it was exploding all the time. Yes. <laughs> like all. Everywhere that you went, uh, they did a very good job intentionally marking like the purposes of the places that you are at. Mm-hmm. It was truly wonderful. So, uh, in the library, uh, you remember the library? Yeah. That's where the king's study was. There was a second hidden door? There were three hidden doors in there. Uh, there's one on either side that lead down to the docks. I, I came down from the docks. Oh, you came in from the docks? Oh, okay, again, I've, to summarize, I fine-toothed combed it, so <laughs> I, I found the docks at the bottom and then came back into the library, which I'd already mm. been at. Was okay, like, oh. so I came in uh, from, like, just the what I assume is kind of, like, the main entrance to the place, and it's, like, if you come down the stairs from there, it's, like, right underneath. You can, like, pull a block away, and there, his study's right under there. Awesome. I, I, the, the, like, initial route was... Uh, like a sneaky peep situation. <laughs> sneaky I, peep. Sneaky peep. My, I had this like big old plan because I, I didn't want to spoil myself like anything that was in there. I don't know why. That seems like the, the game, the design of the dungeon sort of accounts for the fact that people are going to try and go there early. But uh, I, I... By murdering them? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I got pretty far 
Really? On like five hearts no. very early in the game. I, see, I was so intimidated by guardians that like I did not go anywhere near the castle. So you, you were just guardians. like, let me just see what's going to happen. I wanted to know. But I knew there would be someone out there who was like, I know I'm supposed to get all the divine beasts first. But, like, I'm just gonna go check out the big pink glowy castle. Apparently the received wisdom is go to the castle real early, because there's a bunch of awesome items and stuff there. Well, if you're that kind of player... I'm not, so I, like, I read that, and I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, like, you, like, this game's designed so that you can go straight to the end in your underwear with three hearts and be (laughs) canon. Like, you know, it's awesome that that's, uh, an option, but... Not awesome. For people who yeah, like for, to explore. For normal people. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the way I chose to explore it once I was prepared and heading into the end game, because I, I like ma- I, I was hilarious. I totally like Metal Gear Solid the whole situation. I uh, went around on all four sides of the castle at different points that I could just like sheik a slate myself up and see like how much of a map of the external parts I could get. And then that my, would take a long time. <laughs> it it did. would take a long time. And my plan was like, I'm going to see if I can cheat this by climbing up the sides of the huge ass pillars and just flying. Didn't know that when I made the plan. Uh, so I like I tried that too. I was like, I wonder if I can climb these. Yeah. Nope. But yeah, so I so I like snuck in through like the southwest, uh, and then when I like trying to avoid guardians and shit, because at that point I didn't have a lot of ancient arrows, so I wasn't like I I still was super intimidated by them right up to the end of the game. So I once I realized I couldn't like iterate my plan and with tons of guardians behind me uh, I just, like, swam through and found, like, a fucking minecart entrance and, like, followed the fun-ass cart up the car ride uh, and started sneaking away through the interior of the house since the exterior was just, like, straight guardians and line mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah. Once you got into the castle, there weren't any guardians, if memory serves, or any at all inside. So it's like... Yeah, there's nothing I was very stealthy outside where all the guardians were because, like, I didn't go there till the end of the game. So I had, like, the guardian armor... And, like, I had, like, a ton of arrows so I could just keep shooting them in the eye and, like, stunlock them, you know? Uh, so, I didn't ha- so, like, I was able to deal with them pretty well. But, like, so that's pretty much how I tackled the castle. was, like, stealthy on the outside as much as I could be. Unless it was raining or something. And uh, I couldn't climb over shit. Yeah. And then, business in the front part of Yes, the and then full-on exploration yeah. and fun yeah. time. Stealthy the in the front, exploration in, in the back. In the back, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought super enjoyable. Like, and the, the moment, like, I went there a little earlier on, because, like, that was one of the last memories I got, was the one in, in the castle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I just, like, stealthed in there to get it. And, like, the moment when, like, I first got over to the castle and the map popped up, it was, like, a magical moment. Right? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, shit. That was, like, when I jumped into the castle, like, really early in the game... That was the one that I panicked, because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure why the map had changed. I'd never seen a 3D map in this right. game before. I was just like... <laughs> uh, You're gonna get blasted. Yeah. yeah, so I just like dove into the, back into the water, and I was like, I'm gonna leave now. Uh, I didn't. I drowned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I loaded up there. That's something I'd forgotten about by like, towards the end of the game. Like, trying to swim just like across a small, like, creek... <laughs> Fatal. (laughs) One of the first things that you can and probably will do in this game is like run down the river, see the lake, jump into it because it's like a cool like you're like oh I can like dive off this thing. It even does a dive. Oh yeah, like where the rusty sword is. (laughs) Yeah, like I I gotta get to the other side. (laughs) And you stamina meter quickly takes. I swim. 
all the time. Yeah. I've been resting for a hundred years. My muscles have deteriorated. <laughs> it is, uh, speaking of going and beating Ganon in your underwear with yes. your hearts, yeah. when you think about it in the context of, like, the story, <laughs> if you do that successfully, that's, like, really hilarious. Well, and honestly, like, you just wake sense. up and they're like, Link, you have, like, you have no shot. Shit went down like, hundred years all ago. all this stuff happened and you're like... I'm just gonna go murder. Well, it's like <laughs> the whole, the you got whole like a game. fucking pot lid lying around yeah. right somewhere. Watching there with like a branch and a, a pot yeah. lid. <laughs> but like the whole game. The whole game, they're like, Zelda's waiting for you. Zelda can die any minute. Yeah. Zelda is drowning in her fluid sack. Like, you gotta do something about this. I don't think they talked about so, the fluid sack. No, they didn't. But I'm, they I'm elaborating. But, like, the whole time, I'm like, mm, I'm gonna upgrade my house. I'm yeah. gonna help these people with Terrytown. This is, okay, then. you guys gave me shit when I told you that I thought that the way that they did, like, I don't want to say New Game Plus, but, like, the continuation on the game is, like, the worst way they could have done it. And the reason I think that largely is because everyone's like, all right, you're ready, go fight Ganon. But I've already killed Ganon, and so I'm going to spend the next, like, 300 consecutive in-game days (laughs) just fucking around and doing other stuff. I actually think this game does a great job with that, what do you call it, ludonarrative dissonance or whatever fucking jerk-off <laughs> someone came up with. The, the opposite. <laughs> um, that. Sure. Because, uh, like, everything you do in the game... Okay, I'll let everybody stop on that. <laughs> Just, that was so aggressive. This was hilarious. Because this, ge- this term, ludonarrative dissonance, came up so much in the media after Bioshock Infinite came out that it became fucking annoying to everyone. Uh, yeah. It was like the one game design term that just got rammed into everyone's <laughs> mouth okay. constantly. It's even actually sort of a made-up term, all things yeah. considered, because Ludo Narrative was a, it was a term that was put together by like a fucking jerkwad? Wasn't yeah. it just, like, some fucking jabroni? I think it was Ken Levine. Like, I think it was the guy who created oh, Bioshock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Adam Levine, the creator of... Or the, yeah, the, creator. the creator of Bioshock. <laughs> Adam Levine. <laughs> anyway, we... But this game, I think, does a great job of that, because it's not like, oh, hey, you're the dragonborn, you're the only one who can save the world. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to piss off and do whatever for 80 hours. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I'll go fight the dragon. I'm going to go join an yeah. assassin. Yeah. <laughs> At uh, least they BRB. say. BRB. Like, in Zelda, everything that you're doing is making you stronger and, like, strong enough to fight Ganon. And at least they keep reminding you, like, hey, I mean, you should probably wait and get all the divine yeah. beasts. All the divine first. beasts, like, help you fight Ganon. Yeah, like, everything you're doing is, like, furthering that main goal. Well, which I is, mean, like, pre- it's pretty... Well done. You like, say I'm not that, saying it's genius. You anything, say that, but I mean, I spend a lot of time going around and blowing up rocks and seeing what kind of exotic and rare jewels I can find. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yes, yeah, but, but also... Get you, you gotta get your money. What, you gotta yeah. you get, get you money. Gotta, you gotta find yourself on Ganon. I mean, yeah, right. clearly. get money, get paid. So, when you assaulted Ganon, yes. the, the boss itself, oh, I'm what curious... What a sweet fight. Pretty sweet fight. I'm curious, because I talked to JJ about this already, mm-hmm. what you think about Ganon's, like, Calamity Ganon's design? Uh, I really liked it 
But by the time I'd gotten to him, I'd already fought in four other bosses that looked kind of similar. True. So it's it's had the same problem that I had with the shrines and the dungeons, where there's kind of this like homogenized, samey Aesthetic. look. Yeah. Right. But he looked different enough. Like he looked like more of an abomination monster. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. almost like he was all four smashed together. He is my favorite Ganon in a Zelda game. Yeah, me period. too, actually. Yeah, because Sweet he's such an abomination. Yeah, like, he, does, he does. He looks like an amalgamate of like a couple different things. That's like, you know, like it's such a great way for them to throw off like expectations yeah. walking in there. Because I walked in there with Twilight Princess in my mind. I was like, there's gonna be a fucking dwarf sitting in a throne. I didn't expect Ganondorf, <laughs> but like when I walked into that room, I was like, is this gonna be it? <laughs> and then, like, I walked in, he just falls from the ceiling. It's just like, Calamity Ganon. And I'm like, oh! Yep. Pretty good. <laughs> Holy crap, he's right here. So Holy you guys... Freaking Holy freaking balls! I'm glad we're just describing this as, like, an indescribable abomination so that you guys can still have the reaction <laughs> So that you'll you build that. up expectations yeah. in your mind and be yeah. disappointed when you exactly. get there. That's yeah. pretty much how life works. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Thought that was beautiful, and I just thought like the a fight, beautiful a beautiful party. abomination. Exactly, yeah. she knows. Um, but uh, I thought the fight itself was actually pretty challenging as well. Yeah, that was satisfying. I, I mean, I don't really want to tell this story like on the internet. Too bad. Uh, but I, uh, Mifa's grace triggered twice for me during this fight. Which means that it that took longer me. than half an hour for me to beat this boss. Um, but it was largely because I forgot what the parry button was. Because I had always just dodged and never parried. And so when it came down to it, like his last phase where he's invulnerable, I just had to wait for him to do this like attack where he throws a spear. And then I just used Daruk's protection to bounce it back at him. And it took him a long time to use that spear three times. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chad. Yeah, it was kind of rough. But I love the fight still, even though that was shitty. Yeah. And they did such a great job with that fight. And there were multiple ways to render him vulnerable, which I really right. like. Yeah. So that like any playstyle will probably be able to figure out a way to hit him. Your restriction for vulnerability is just a time window. A yeah. super, super short You had to find out something window. to do to him to make him vulnerable. Yeah. Uh... And, but then they did such a great job. You didn't have to. It wasn't Ganondorf. You didn't have to play tennis with him. <laughs> and then, but I loved. I, I so looked forward to. I tried to play tennis with him. With him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I kept. I there's gotta be thought, somewhere to play tennis with yeah, that ball. I, yeah. I thought that I thought so too. I think they did that on purpose. Yep. They're like these people are gonna try and hit that, and they're just gonna hit in the face. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna explode. Uh, it's gonna be great. But then. Uh, I really did not like the beast form. I wasn't a big fan of it. Also, think you know what would have saved it? What if they would have been went full Shadow of the Colossus and they could have like leaped off the horse and climbed up him and like stabbed him in the face? That would have been so sweet. I I completely agree. Yeah, but no, I didn't do that. Yeah, if you had like no stamina, you wouldn't be able to make it up his dumb face. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
They would have had to have done something. Something like Shadow of the Colossus that also has stamina and places for you to rest on the bodies of the creatures. Yeah, yeah, but this game doesn't really usually account for that. If he was like, oh, like, it was just the same beast form Ganon, but he just had like rolls of fat. (laughs) And he had to like (laughs) climb up to the top of it and then just rest on it. Like you just fold yourself in for a quick nap. Yeah, like I'm just gonna rest here. There's like a fight to your chest in there. Yeah, I'll rest here till the morning and then it's like, da-da-da-da. 5 a.m. Yeah. All right, let's go. Hey, what's I, was, uh, I, I was thinking something more like he has some kind of fire attack that creates updrafts. That right. you could fly up. And kind yeah. of like how it actually ends. Do you updraft at the end? Yeah. His laser sets the grass on fire. I forgot about the final scene in the game mechanically. But yeah, yeah, yeah. if the the fire had been a more consistent mechanic and you were supposed to get up there. Or if they just skipped the whole part where you just run around him in circles. I actually think it was supposed to be a consistent mechanic because he fires the laser the whole time. I think you could use the updraft... I think they wanted you to. I agree, but you don't need the help hitting the no, you don't targets. Need they're it. they're no. generous enough. That... I didn't think about it either until yeah. that last part. But yeah. uh, yep, that would have been sweet, you know, climb up him and stuff. That's about all I have to say. That's literally well, that's not literally all I got, but it's not about that. I've um, there's one thing that we never touched on. Well, actually, oh, can ignore that. You said something about Mifa's grace. And this is something I talked to you about. Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Uh, I said something about about Topher Grace. Uh, No, but um, no, it's not very great. End of discussion. (laughs) Sorry, Topher. But what do you think of the what do you think of the special abilities that you're given for defeat the completing the temples? I have to go back on what I told you before. We kind of talked all over the place, so you're gonna have to restate what you think. Well, originally when I talked to you about this, I basically was like, "There's like one good one." Or, like, two good ones, one that's, like, alright, and then one that's just bad. They're all amazing, and it took me until I started exploring the entire world to really know that. And now I think that, that uh, Rivali's Gale is actually the best oh, one. Oh, it's so yeah. good. You thought that was awful? I thought it was not useful. I, I couldn't... Anyway, I don't think it was useful because so I climbed everything. Well, the two, the two <laughs> regions... Let you climb, getting bolder and let you climb things even better. <laughs> That's true. I just never had an issue climbing. The two regions I never got to was the Akali region, which is the one where it's in the fortress with all of the helicopter yeah. guardian. Mm. Yep. That was fun. Um, so I could just I revolved, I revolved. I'm just gonna burn. Yeah. I revolved twice. Got to like midway up the tower, and then I never had to deal with them. I'm going to go to the Gerudo Desert next to do the really really tall one. I'm wondering, are you the one that I was talking to about this? It's pop. No, you weren't. So the Akala Tower that has the guardians around mm-hmm. it and it's like covered in black sludge. Yeah. The me and a guy that I work with both got to that tower. We don't know what the intended path is, mm-hmm. but we climbed up on this broken archway and like tiptoed to the edge of it and then jumped and glided over there. I don't know how you're supposed to I get there to without Rivali's Gale. Oh, yeah. this is a it was a great, great sign because I, I got one? there early before I had that. The, yeah, the, the intended thing is a weird puzzle yeah, wherein you navigate around like, inside the buildings I, yeah, that are surrounding in the sludge. Of, I can't mm-hmm. picture it. Uh, 
And when you're going through that sludge, you'll there are like two or three places where you can hit the eyes that yeah. exist. For oh, is this things. one that's like literally just like covered with tons of purple goo? Yeah. 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 Okay, I know what you're. Uh, and about. I've and the eyes progressively unlock more. Like, they either drop things, release paths that you can go up, or very most importantly, the last one uh, lets uh, a metal door loose and fall out for you to manipulate. So you can yeah. magnet up a metal door and, and put then, it on the tower. Yep, See, and use it as a bridge. What I ended up doing was like, I was exploring that and I found like maybe two eyeballs and I'm like, they didn't really open up new paths like that actually let me get to the tower. Mm-hmm. So I just found like the highest point in like the little fortress Yeah, glided over, which landed me in goo. Right. But like I just climbed through it. Yeah. And, like Because you can just climb through it. And just take tank the damage. Yeah, you can't enter it. You can, like, grab it. It's weird. Like, if you are on the tower and then go over there, you get, like, hurt and fall. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it requires some, like, finagling no, see, I never had to be able to crawl me. through. Like, I was able to just walk through it. It's just part of the... Well, you and, climb, walk through. and climb through it. The climbing, I don't know. Like, it, it was never an issue. It might just be, like, some physics weirdness, but, yeah, no, uh... Yeah, because I had to, that's that's why I jumped off that little archway. Because I definitely, I went through, I opened like four treasure chests, killed like a bunch of Bacoblins, but they were just, I Wait, think what, missed one of them. Did you say Bacoblins? Bacoblins? I thought it was Bacoblins. I, it could be. You I are the Bacoblins. person I learned how to pronounce Bacoblin from. Really? Uh, yeah. I never I, had spoken the word a lot. So yeah, I've always said Bacoblins. Yeah. I kind of like the way you say it better, though. Bacoblins. It sounds yeah. like something they would say. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more like goblin with like a prefix. Right? But anyway, yeah. sorry, I just wanted to put it in that. Prefix. So yeah, prefix. Uh, on your discussion of the uh, of the abilities that oh, you get. That was my yeah. discussion, JJ. Fucking okay. sorry. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, well, it's actually not the whole thing. I was. It was one specific point. It was when you were talking about how you thought one was going to be really bad. I never figured out how I was supposed to use the lightning charge. Oh, you use it uh, on cooldown every attack that you ever do. Uh, oh, I didn't charge <laughs> almost scary. ever. I almost never used charge attacks. This is the thing with, with that Andy was saying as well. I well, used. I had just gotten it. Yeah, that, that's also true. Like I've used it a lot more since then. Okay. Yeah, I got it third and almost exclusively used heavy weapons. So, <laughs> using heavy weapons in conjunction with this basically will floor any big enemy in a couple of seconds. And then it's a matter of just, like, cleaning up small guys. And that's a lot of how I went through the game. It also is, like, doubly effective if they're in water, which is nice. Cool. Um, also, it's Urbosa's Fury who is the best yeah. lady ever, too. Urbosa's, yeah. I actually, weirdly, those powers are the things that, like, Made me like remember those names. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yep. she'd so, be like, you know, Furies ready. ready. Yeah. Yeah. Grace is ready. <laughs> protection is right or wrong. I <laughs> almost shit myself during the Yiga hideout mission when I was like creeping up to do a stealth strike on one of those guys, and all of a sudden I just hear like, "Shing, Daruk's protection is ready or wrong." And I'm like. <laughs> Like the enemy spirits. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> I just lives no. in your mind yeah. now. Yeah. The reason that I ask is because I thought that they were too good. Like, I felt like they made the game too easy, and I wished that I could turn them off. I could never uh, have enough self-control to turn off Rivali's Gale. Oh, well, yeah, but... that one. that one's specifically for exploration. Yeah. 
But, like, Daruk's protection, I thought, was just, like, way too good. Oh, did you, speaking of turning things off, did you complain to me about the shrine um, locator ping thing? Yeah. You, you can't turn, turn it off. Turn it off. Yeah, yeah, it took me a while to realize that, but, uh... So, you know. Well, you do set it to your rare or deposit. Because <laughs> uh, I turned it off, like, immediately. Yeah. I also hate Party it. Party red. Yep. I love annoying. the shrine text. <laughs> you said the chic is like... To a party, party rabbit. Rabbit. <laughs> No, no, it's, you get it as a quest. <laughs> oh, the guy at the... Yeah, you told me that. Rabbit. He the wants you to take a picture. <laughs> he he wants you to take a picture of a sun shroom and then find it five sun shrooms. Yeah. And then you're like, ooh, you can download a secret picture from our special, like, whatever. And you're like, I'm like, holy shit, what is this going to be? Is it going to be like... Princess Zelda and full princess regalia? Is it going to be like... Princess Zelda in no clothing? Well, yeah. only you would think that. But no, I was like, is this going to be... Not a, oh, not a, no, no. That's not true. <laughs> she is 17 years old. I'm offended. She's 117 years old. Accurate. Never mind. Totally fine. Yeah. No <laughs> anime excuses are allowed to be used on this podcast. Anyway, that was an anime excuse. You download, you download the picture from the thing, and you're like, oh boy, what's it going to be? And it's like... Hardy Radish. <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker! I didn't even like, realize that. Yeah, and because I went and looked in my, like, Hyrule compendium. Right. I was like, oh, what's this going to be? Is it going to be, like, a picture of Hyrule Castle before it was Calamity Bend? <laughs> you know, is it going to be another memory? And it's just Hardy Radish. I'm like, I'm never going to fucking search for one of these, ever. You should. Ever. No, because they give you uh, extra hearts. That's true. Yeah, but... Uh, I felt that Daruk's protection and Mipha's grace were both, like, too good, because you just get, like, a free shield that deflects anything, except for, like, electric attacks, weirdly. Uh, <laughs> they, go, they go through the shields. blocks it, but... Um, like, the, like the, the lizard posts that, like, have the electric explosion, it'll hit you through Daruk's protection. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Mipha's grace is like having a fairy that follows you around like it owes you money. And, uh, <laughs> it's like a super good fairy. Yeah, but that yeah. like also gives you extra you mean, health. Like, yeah. She loves you. you owe true, it. true. She, she does. It's you. like a fairy that loves you. Yes. Okay, wait. And like, and they're, they're, they like that they're in there for people like, you know, like more casual players who, and like, it's cool that like, it's story related, and these characters get to help you out. Like it's neat. Like oh, they're helping in their spirits and everything. But like, I found like especially like with the difficulty curve, like where it's harder at the beginning, and the game just gets easier if you get more stuff. Right. Those it just heaping more conveniences onto you, where it's like oh, now you can take three free hits. Now you can get revived for free. And now and like you know all this extra health and blah blah blah. It just I wish I could toggle them off. I know that you're like a hardcore, uh, super badass, super game gamer, yes. yeah. Uh, and the, the, like, ca- sure it's great the casual scrub lords should probably just <laughs> yeah. go throw their Nintendo Switches in the garbage. Yeah. Um, the scrub lords are playing on Wii U's, like I am. That's a good point, actually. Uh, but I always found that like Durek's protection was never that good. Yeah, like most of the time, my three charges were used up by like. Like a rock fell from kind of a high place. <laughs> He's like, ooh! And like the rock was like, oh, sorry, fuck you. Uh, I mean, you never really used a shield that much, though. A good like, point. I, I always felt yeah. like, I, I wish I could. I found, found myself, like, I used a shield, so I found myself, like, when you raise the shield, it just puts the bubble around you. And yeah. I'm like, I wish I could save this for, like, when I wanted to use it. That's, and yeah, just that use is my the change shield. that I would want. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, I have three fairies. I wish it wouldn't trigger Mipha's Grace first. 
before the fairies, you know, like, I wish you could toggle them off to when, like, you wanted to use them. Yeah. I think a potential solution to this, and something that I'm... I think this game might do a little bit. I Because I quit, like, right after I got to the end game, I actually didn't, like, re-explore all the places I explored once before. So I don't know if these sort of changes actually are present. But I wish they would have worldwide scaled out, scaled up the difficulty of the combat encounters as you went. They do. Uh, is, is that included in dungeons? I have no clue. Because that, because dungeons have combat. Well, not like 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 they a couple of them have like stupid one off robots which are which are kind of always suck and absolutely I'm forgettable. Sorry, do you mean shrines? No. The uh, dungeons. The dungeons have like some robots. Some one at least one. You, you, okay, you mean the divide beasts? Yes. You can't go back in them once you leave. Right. So it's irrelevant. No, no, no. like it, I, it is I, relevant because like, like, you can choose if, the order. Like the point is that like, I wish I one last or the other is yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Gotcha. That's what I mean. Or yeah. even like the bosses. I wish like, yeah. like I, wish I, thought, game... I thought you meant like after you did the end game. Like, would no. it be harder? No, no, and I'm no. like, well, it doesn't matter because you can't access them. Anymore. No, I don't think they scale. That's because uh, like the 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 boss in the desert temple, which is the one that I did last. Like, I would, it felt like so much easier than like the first one that I did. Yep. The boss in the in the desert temple is fucking impossible. It is really hard. It's probably we, the hardest one. We had a conversation with uh, about this. I thought the boss in the Desert Temple was really cool, but I didn't think he was like... I thought he like he hit the, the mark pretty much just right in terms of difficulty, because his difficulty wasn't numerical. It was based on, based on like timing and yeah. lateral thinking. I think uh, I might have been a little bit uh, extreme with it when I said fucking impossible. It was only two tries. They were two very long tries. <laughs> but, uh... Which I, we all know you hate. I had the yeah. Master Sword when I fought him, so it was a lot easier. I did not. I, I mostly just... It was like just waiting for him to attack me, basically. Every point of damage that I got on him was through the the multi-strike or whatever it's called. The Flurry Rush? Flurry Rush. Really? Yeah, like, I did not damage him yeah. otherwise. No. When fighting with the Master Sword, you just hit his shield three times with the Master Sword and it broke. Wait, wait, is there a way for you... I guess maybe he attacks you in Form 1 even before that. But, like, the thing that I really loved about that fight, and probably the, the one sequence that sticks out for me the most out of all the boss fights going forward, is the fact that you can metallic, like, you can magnet up his lightning spikes. You can pick them up off yeah. the ground. Well, you only do that one time. That's like his second phase. Yeah. Did you do that more than once? Yes. Yeah, me too. Did you wait through all of his, like, regular attacks? No, it was a, it was a normal fight, otherwise. He only did that one time. Once I shocked him with it, he went back to fighting me by zipping around, and I just did player rushes on him. Who knows? AI programming. But that's bizarre. Yeah. Can I ask a plot question? Sure. This kind of ties into the champion's protection things. So there's the memory, um, and I don't remember where you collect it, but it's the one where Zelda comes back from Mount Lanayru and she's very defeated. Right. And she, you know, she can't unlock her connection to the goddess. Um, and Mifa starts talking, and she's like, well, I know this sounds really silly, and like I'm embarrassed to say it, but whenever I go to heal, I think about... And then they're interrupted by Calamity Ganon. Right. One, what do you think she was going to say? I mean, I assume Link, because I'm base. Well, not not literally Link, but, like, thinking about protecting or helping someone you love. Like I was thinking, like, Link, literally Link. I'm thinking literally Link. Because well. it, there's the scene where... She's in love with him. Where, she, where well, they're no, on top I of... I get that, but why would that... 
matter to... She, because... Because she thinks of the one person because, that she loves. Because Zelda is also in love with Link. Yeah. Because so there's awkward. a scene where she's putting the Master Sword, and she's like, will you tell... She says to the Great Deku Tree, like, you know, will you tell him? And he's like, no, no. Wouldn't it be better, like, coming from you? And that why was she able to seal Calamity Ganon in a way? Is she finally, like, realized her love for Link? Did you get did you get the 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 memory scene in which her power works for the first time? I have not yet. She I have two memories yet to go. That's the last one. Oh, that is the last That's one. The I I forget about the order that you acquire these memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yes. Uh, cor- correct. Woo! Uh, there's a there's a sequence in which uh, Link gets his ass handed in. It's a really mm-hmm. important narrative moment for like her building this out. This one I, I wanted to bring up with you as the only other person that played Skyward Sword. Yeah. Did you like the nods to it? Like, the very specific ones? Uh, which ones? Like, that last scene where, like, the sword, like, glows, and it's the fee sound effect of, like, the blah, 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 blah. Like, her talking (laughs) to Link, or her talking to Zelda through the sword. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, she does. Did you like the shrine that was, like, the Skyward Swords shrine where it was impossible to control? And fuck you with that. Zelda does specifically say in the scene where she's putting the Master Sword back that it talks, that it to, talks her. to her. Yeah, like yeah. in that very last scene, the sword glows purple, and it like it's Fee's voice coming out of the sword talking to Zelda. I missed that completely. I was so confused near the end of the game where like like one of the last scenes is Zelda, is Zelda saying like, yeah, like she, I can't hear the sword's fi- voice anymore. She's finally unlocked yeah. the ability. And I was ability, like, the Master Sword fucking talks yeah, to her. Yeah, the ability and I forgot to, about to talk to Fee. That's awesome. That's beautiful. That's I love not that. Awesome or beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I like Fee as a character. What are we talking about so next time? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I really like. We're it. far away from that. I really like. The I, reason why I, I brought like this up and where I thought it was a good okay. closure moment was it's like, do you like platonic Lincoln Zelda, where it's just their buds and they, you know, he's her protector and she's, you know, the protector of the realm. Or do you feel like there is like a romance thing? Because again, for the second time, like after Ocarina of Time, you have a, a Zora woman who's like quote unquote in love with Link. Right. You know, there's you know th- these other romantic interests, or you know, is Link actual? Is he just like uh, an entity? I don't know. Narrative. I want to talk about the narrative stuff. It's uh, so, I think it's a game by game basis. Like in Skyward Sword, it's set up specifically as a romantic relationship, and it's more satisfying to think of it that way. And I think it's kind of set up like that in this game as well. Uh, like, there's, like... I think they're trying to add a degree of realism with the love triangle thing, where, like, this other girl likes Link, but, like, he likes Zelda, and Zelda's, like, trying to do her duty, so she can't like Link or whatever. So they try to, like, set it up... It's like very, like, some, Jim like, and Pam yeah. in the office. So, like, <laughs> they try to set up, like, some drama like that. But, you know, it's all done through, like, backstory and stuff, so it's not very developed. But I think it works. I, I mean... Also, one of Link's, like, girls is dead, and the other one's in, like, a sack of fluids. Yes, one's in a sack of... One, but, but she's alive, so that's that's a plus. Um, <laughs> They're both princesses. Basically a John Hughes movie, yep. really. But, uh... It, it's really criticized, you know, to, like, have, like, the female character and the male character get together. But, like, I'm in the camp where, like, I think a romantic relationship between the characters is satisfying. Even if it's cliche. I mean, like, I don't think I could possibly be more indifferent than I am. Yeah, I mean, it's faster if there's no plot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Whatever's faster. I mean, love takes time, and that sucks. <laughs> I mean, if Link and Zelda getting together is faster, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't hurry love. You okay. just have to wait. Okay. No, no, well, then, that, then no. You were like no relationship. somewhat yeah, correct, but yeah, you're obviously <laughs> bringing back some. Uh, Can you put that song as the break song? Which song? Can't hurry love. Oh, I could if I want to leave the MCA. <laughs> Coming in hot. <laughs> Weapon degradation. That's the way oh, we yeah. end this bullshit. So, so I've seen a lot of people. Well, actually, about I never that, defended so. myself about the uh, maid saying that I didn't give a shit whether or not. If we're, doing, or not. if we're doing a two-part episode, we're going full hog, I guess. Full hog. Uh, no, full hog. Full hog. Full That's hog. calamity. Ganon is full. It's hog. full hog. Full hog. Uh, he's like ninety-eight percent regardless. Uh, my my point was not necessarily that I didn't care like one way or another about how the narrative played out. It's just like the way that this game treats its narrative. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's be- because it is all retrospective. It's it's like, do we really care necessarily about what the complications were between? these two characters when the obvious important characters in the game are Link and Zelda and that is that is the hard line. But, so when you say these characters do you mean everyone who isn't those two? Yeah. Like I feel as though the they, the game treats those characters as important to the, the overall plot but as we were discussing before it doesn't fully flesh them out in a way that makes them important to the resolution. Because they just are not. It's Link and Zelda and Ganon, as it always is and always will be. Well, that's what my question <laughs> was. Is because obviously in this love triangle, there's kind of well, no, it's not actually a love triangle, but there is always like a weird. I mean, you can look at this with um, like uh, Peach and Bowser. Yeah, there's like a big, vaguely animalistic man yeah. who like kidnaps the princess, and then the hero has to come. So it's like a Trinity thing. So like, is there like a weird like? lust pseudo love or is it just like they're all like these eternal beings and it doesn't uh, matter well, because they're in constant like right. you mean I don't that, like the questions that you ask sorry yeah uh, like I mean is it just like is it a platonic thing because they're like the two sides of the triangle who didn't like want to fuck shit up and like rule high rule for power so they're just gonna hang out now I don't and they're know. gonna battle Ganon? Or is it is there, like, inherently, like, a love element to it? Or does it ruin something about the relationship if they are, like, a romantic couple? Or is it a, better if it is? I have many questions! I think it's a game-to-game <laughs> game basis thing, how they treat the relationship. Uh, and I think that you've put, even just in these past, like this past minute more thought into it than the story team at Nintendo ever has. Uh, well, importantly, into this aspect of the story, yeah, not like, the whole story. I, I don't right. think they're, like, co- like contemplating putting themes of, like, lust and corruption into the relationship I, between okay. Link and Zelda. Okay, I understand that, like, English majors and, like, lit majors no, no, I'm bad not, like, rap of, like No, I'm just being like, oh, you're looking too far into it. You know, they just wrote this... this I'm, not, I'm just saying this is what happens. Okay. Is that you? we get a bad rap for, like, looking at things for being too far out of context. Mm. But I don't think it's a coincidence that there's, like, a Trinity thing and then there's, like, one 
creature that is bad, and then they take advantage of the woman, and then there's, the, like, the young, pure man who, like, is involved, and he's like, is it, oh, okay, we can move on, we don't have to have any of this in the podcast, this is what's important to me, maybe it's not important to anybody else. Well, no, well, no, I got something to say about this. Yeah, like, I think you, you, you're overblowing our reactions to, to your question. I think that the, the Mario comparison is actually uh, more apt than, than you Another might think. game where lust and corruption is very important. Exactly. <laughs> yes. uh, no, I, th- I think that the, the, the problem there is not necessarily in... I don't think that Zelda's thematic elements make the story of the like the the damsel in distress better or worse based on what they characterize Ganon as versus what they characterize Bowser as or anything like that. It's a it's a flaw inherent in the medium and inherent in that style of storytelling. Because in the olden days when one people were not vocal about things that were problematic and two the, they didn't have a lot of elements with which to tell an important, like, a story that had characters that had depth. That was the way that they sort of bridged that gap as poorly as it, as it may have been done. And specifically the, the, with the Zelda comparison, especially in this game, in, in Breath of the Wild, I mean, they're trying to not have it just be two-dimensional as they've been kind of doing for a while with these games. Uh, yeah, well, one, one way, one extreme or the other, it has been two-dimensional, and I think of an important piece of information, and you and you guys correct me if you're wrong, because again, it's been probably like 10 years since <laughs> You guys correct game. me if you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> but if I... Good way to lo- stack the deck against <laughs> yeah. your, uh, the opposition argument. <laughs> as my mis- Loser says what? Always does. <laughs> yeah. But if I if my memory of Twilight Princess serves, doesn't Zelda like explicitly barely care about you at all? Isn't Ze- isn't Zelda characterized in Twilight Princess as just the ruler who just cares about beating Ganon and not really yeah, about Link as a person? They they kind of tried to go that direction in Twilight Princess where Zelda has been like all consumed by her destiny. And, like, the only thing she cares about is, like, the end of Ganon. And so, like, when you meet her, she's just like, get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I have more important things to worry about. Which I'm fine with. Yeah. 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 The, the point that I bring that up is that, like, I don't think you can use at least the lust, compar- the lust angle as, a, like, a valid inference into Twilight Princess. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, I, it's I wasn't, more just... I wasn't, I wasn't saying Link has, like, a lustful thing, because obviously lust is a sin, and so he's a pure boy, and that wouldn't happen. I meant Ganon as, like, a very animalistic, lustful character kidnaps the princess, and again, this goes back to the comparison with Peach and Bowser. Right. Like, like that there's always, like, a weird, like, pseudo-sexual... I feel like there's more of a sexual, like, undertone with Bowser and Peach than there's ever been with Ganon and Zelda. (laughs) Well, Well, that's... Okay, that is an issue with... I agree that, like, it's irreducible on some level, though. It's like, I think all they're trying, they're going for with it is just, like, it's just this, the classic trope of the dancer in distress. Like, I don't think... That trope has... Has roots in it. I don't think that Nintendo is, like, putting it in there because of that, no. though. Okay, but I mean, it, it but is, like, it's it's an inherent part of yeah. that trope. Well, this is the thing that I think is actually important, is that, like, when you take this this trope, the damsel in distress trope, the... D.I.D. The structure of all of the... D.I.D. The old D.I.D. If you take that as the structure of all of these old games, 
what you end up with is even though in terms of especially the the NES games of these series where you have like very basic representations of human beings like that barely resemble people at all people read a sexual angle into it because they're going to well, even if there's no narrative reason for it people will do it anyway I, yeah. I think there's an easier more charitable explanation for what's going on in the nes era at least which is that one way or the other back at like you've like you've properly identified back in that time their resources for creating any sort of story or structure or thing to make the player care about moving forward is so limited from a narrative perspective and they have they have so little space to like move around and make changes that they need to use tropes to fill in the gaps in your mind. But Nintendo doesn't get to choose what the tropes are. Right. And, yeah. It, like, over the years, they've just been kind of using the same thing, and they've been hitting the story over and over again. They hit it, and they hit it until eventually it just breaks. Yeah, now uh, they can't use the excuse anymore. Now they aren't limited. Just like the weapons. <laughs> 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 you know, you hit those hopes and those tropes so many times with one of those moblin. With a moblin? Only like three or four times. Yeah. yeah. And then it just... It and, and I'm telling you, it's breaking for me. Yeah. It's done broked. It's broke. So, uh... That reminds me of something else I wanted to talk about, though. Um, the weapon degradation in this game. Pretty controversial. So... I know, um, I know, Daniel, that you actually feel pretty positive about it. Yeah, I... I Andy can attest. I can't remember if I can, in, in the podcast. I can attest or attest. Attest. Okay. Possibly also detest in the right context. Gotcha. Also, I can't remember if in the podcast universe you're Andy or Andrew. I'm Andy. Andy. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I forget if in the podcast because universe you're Andy or you're Flim Flam. I normally fucking hate degradation of equipment and role playing games. I find it to be, like, and it is, like, a traditional element of, my, like, it was in Diablo, um, is one that comes to mind readily for me. Uh, Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Souls, obviously. <laughs> it's the classic, even before Diablo. Um, but it's, it always struck me as, like, a totally worthless, like, it, it's just annoying. Um, it's, like, a time sink that has, like, no real rewards. I think it actually really works in this game. It shocked me that I liked it as much as I did. I've heard your argument, that, like, thing that you said just now, a lot. I have never felt that way. What argument? He just said he liked it a lot. No, the argument. argument. Before, oh, about not, how... Not liking the degradation. Not liking the degradation in general. I, yeah. I feel exactly the same way as him. Right. And I think the difference is, where it's like, in something like Dark Souls... Uh, um, it's there as a way to like to be like a, a degree of realism or like mm -hmm. oh you're bashing your weapon off of stuff it's gonna degrade and break eventually and but it's never thought of in, in, with any more depth than that it's something that's just like very surface level like that would happen in real life throw it in there and like yeah. and like it's very shallow and it's like Either you'll forget and neglect it, and your weapon will break, and you'll be like, fuck. Or it's a in, in, minor inconvenience you'll never have to really like worry about or in any meaningful way. 
And in Breath of the Wild, they were like, okay, in Wind Waker, you could take the enemy's weapons. Everyone liked that. That was cool. Let's try and do something like that in this game. And then they were like, well, how about all the enemies drop their weapons? How about they're constantly dropping them, you have to pick them up and like keep restocking your inventory? And, okay, so if that's going to happen, then they're going to have to break so that you can keep replacing them. Because they're going to keep getting dropped. And the whole game's designed around it to the point where it really works because it's been thought out. And it's been properly implemented. And it's not just tacked on. I think a simple way of explaining why I think it works in this context and doesn't work in other games is all the other times I've ever encountered equipment degradation, because of the other mechanics of the game... Um, all it serves to do is just interrupt your fun. Like, because in a lot, like in Diablo, when your armor breaks, you can't just, like, drop it on the ground and pick up some padded armor. That yeah. Just, like, it's an important piece of equipment that is the best you could find in the world up to that point. You can't leave it, and you're probably not good enough to keep fighting unless you just go back to town and get a repair. And that's true of, like, all your major equipment. It's like, all that happens is, well, shit, my stuff broke. I've got to. I gotta just leave and come back. But the way that the mechanics in Breath of the Wild work, that's not true. Like right. you just cycle through stuff, and it's really a dynamic, and it doesn't interrupt the fun, and actually adds to it by adding like this new layer. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't. It's not just a meaningless like stop everything you're doing and leave and then come back. It adds diversity, mm-hmm. which is the, which is the good way that they implement this system that's gotten completely lost from the older RPG systems as people kept scaling up like the coolness and rareness of loot in order to make the rare stuff that you find more important, it broke the purpose of the weapon degradation system that existed in those old games and turned them into pointless pieces of shit. Because in Breath of the Wild, if something breaks, you can pick up what someone else drops and just use it. But if I'm playing like... I've never played Diablo, so I don't know the norms. But if I'm playing like a normal like kill-and-loot-style old RPG, I can't pick up and use the, like, level one fucking exactly. trash. That, that was part yeah. of my point, is you, you just can't replace your equipment with, like, whatever's on the yeah, ground. Yeah, because you level games. up your equipment. Yeah. Right, right. But the, but the gap in Breath of the Wild is so much shorter, and yep. they built in, like, actually diverse, not just numerically diverse, but, like, actually play-style diverse weapon styles between the spears, the great swords, and the swords, and even, like, weird stuff like the wands. I don't know if you the guys have found yet. Yeah, tree branches, <laughs> Korok leaves. There's so... They're using weapon degradation as a way to force you mechanically to experiment with every single part of the game. And that's really important to do because it keeps people from doing the stuff that you, Andy, have a habit of doing in a lot of different games, which is finding a comfort zone and never experiencing all the different things that exist in the design. Mm -hmm. That's also something I would do. I would be prone to doing. Yeah. That's like the good thing about weapon degradation systems. uh, And one of the like one to two ways I've ever seen them actually used appropriately, but almost everyone uses it wrong. It it also let uh, Janelle defeat a boss in a moment of desperation by throwing a skeleton arm at it. That was, honestly, okay, so yeah, I was in Varuta, and it was the Water Blight Ganon, and I had run out of arrows, and I knew that the bombs didn't have the reach I needed. It was when he was in his form on the ceiling. Right. And I knew I needed a ranged weapon, so I do, you know, what what I do, I like to take my little paws, let Linky eat snack. a snack, <laughs> Linky ate a snack, and I looked at my inventory, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, what do I have? And I selected a moblin arm, and I just <laughs> ratcheted it back and hurled it at him, an immediate cutscene. Oh. And I was laughing so hard that, like, 
Mifa was doing this very beautiful, like, tribute to her and, like, talking about how she'd love to talk to her dad again. <laughs> and I'm too busy just laughing yeah. and replaying the vision of Link hurling a moblin arm <laughs> just at this, like, spider blight creature on the roof. So, yeah, it was amazing. And, and that's the thing is, um, I like that it does build in the mechanic, though, that if a weapon is super damaged... And you hurl it, it's more likely to be like super yeah. Because I would never throw the weapons otherwise. Because I'm just I get like separation anxiety. Us <laughs> <laughs> like serious, like I just wouldn't do that. Like I'm so glad the game gave me an incentive to throw weapons. Yeah, but they'll be like your Zora would. sword is you know dangerously damaged or whatever. I'm like sweet. That's fucking harpoon a dude. Yeah, I really do. Oh yeah. So I I, I didn't. Um, kill Water Blight Ganon by throwing a Moblin arm at him. But I was at zero arrows of any sort during that phase, and so I did, I threw, I ended up throwing like six weapons at him, like over the course of the fight to get him off the walls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the weapon degradation system in this game, I think, is just universally loved. Which is why I kind of found Not it to be... Nope. It's, it's universally loved by critics. No, it's universally loved by people who played the game. I know a guy... <laughs> this is strong. It's strong. I know a dude, literally, who will probably listen here, to this. Here he comes. Here he is. <laughs> I know a dude who will probably listen to this eventually who said that he would not play this game because of weapon degradation. Because it is a mechanic he hates so strongly that it would drive him away from playing a game that includes it. Everyone I know, everyone I've ever heard talk about this, has been like, I thought I was going to hate the weapon degradation, but actually it's the best! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I brought up like, message boards way too frequently. But it's just like my go-to for like the representative of like what are people talking about. Sure. I've seen so many people say, like, I love this game, but this is the one thing they got wrong. Because I, I hate the degradation. I've seen I'll be I've never of... been on a message board in the last like nine years. Yeah, I've seen a handful of reviews that have also said that they don't like it. Hmm. I've never read that. I've never heard like, anyone play this game I who know didn't like it. Personally, I've, likes it. Yeah, I feel like it's the thing that doesn't need defended. Yeah, it's it's because it's tied so like tightly into the core design. Right, it works. Yep. I was actually worried I was going to come in here and have to like fight an uphill battle against you guys about this being a core feature of the design oh, yeah. that they uh, needed. Is. Yeah, it, not, it, would, it wouldn't work so well otherwise. Yeah. In addition, I, I don't think it's like kind of a survival. Like uh, yep. in. When I first heard about it, like, like she had said, oh, I was going to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but then they showed the game at E3, and I watched, like, you know, like an hour of the footage or whatever, because I didn't want to see too much of it, but right. I was super curious, because it's been, like, five years. Yeah. Uh, so I watched some of it, and I'm like, oh, like, you just had to see it to understand. It's like, right. literally everything drops a weapon, and there's this, like, cycle of constantly picking up new stuff. Right. Like, that, like it just immediately makes sense. Yeah, it's a cycle, like in Dark Souls. Yeah, like in Dark Souls, <laughs> there's a cycle of fire yeah. and darkness, just like weapons. <laughs> this is going to be a hard one for you, Dan, when you go back for the editing. <laughs> Normally there's only, like, one you have to remember, and I was, like, uh, six over two, yeah. yeah. Okay. But no, I, as you know, I was actually... I was somebody who was hoping that you could break the Master Sword. 
I was like... We did talk about this. I was really pulling for that to be, like, a thing that could happen in this game. People were really upset that, like, the Hylian shield can break. So if the Master Sword I mean, could break... I you can buy it. Yeah, I know. But pe- even so, people yeah. were upset about it. So yeah. if the Master Sword could break, I think people would lose their minds. I would <laughs> love if the Master Sword would break. Yeah, like, we talked about, like... What if you find the Master Sword and it is broken? It just is broken, and you, you can dramatically it. use it later. And be like it has been remade. Yeah, you can reforge it like Lord <laughs> right. of the Rings. Take it to Death Mountain and go. Yeah, like reforge the sword. But if if like you just got well, the other what if it was, was just the Lord of the Rings ripoff? How great would that be? You, you have a ring with you, you get to throw on the fires yeah. of Death Mountain. Jed would love a Lord of the Rings ripoff, but generally Jed speaking. It wouldn't be very fast, though. Yeah, it would take nine hours. Uh, uh, are there iron boots in this game? No. Speaking not. of speed. Well, no. there are boots that are made They're of not. iron. But I just, they just bumped it down boots. one full star. You can't do an iron boots You cannot challenge. do iron boots challenge. <laughs> um, God. Okay. The only I was I was going to go into weapon degradation systems generally. I don't I, I would argue that the Diablo system is not actually a bad system. The armor implementation is a little bit rough because you do have to just go do something to fix it. But it is a game that's about collecting shit. So like having it break is incentive for you to continue, but I feel like later entries in the Diablo series and games like Borderlands that are really spiritual successors to it kind of I, I don't know how 3 handled it actually cuz I never really played 3. You never really have to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz 2 uh, it, it, 2 it was still it was basically the same system as 1. Yeah. The more Skinner Box drive of like just wanting to get better stuff I think is generally a more uh, I don't know compelling system than like you need to get stuff because your shit is wearing down and breaking. But uh, generally, I think that the weapon degradation systems are... I think it's a good system that just needs to be implemented in the correct context. But uh, this game definitely does it well. Yeah, we at least agree that this game does does it well. Yeah. The only other note that I had, honestly, was that I was weirdly vocal when I was playing this game. Like, more so than I typically am, where I would just be sitting there totally alone... Janelle's very vocal when she plays games. I so. do. Uh, so I'll just I sit there it. and just be like, whoa! Or like, <laughs> fuck you, buddy. Or like, oh, I can't or believe like, that didn't I'll, work. Or like, I'll be like, oh no, here's a guy. And I'll be like, time to run away. And like, yeah. swerve. I sing, I sing talk at things. You sing and, or, I'll, or I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, eat my shit. Just eat my shit. And like, as I'm throwing bombs at <laughs> from on high and they don't know where I am. Aww. Yeah, that sort of a thing. Yeah, the re- my, my reasoning is just that this game took me by surprise a lot more than most games do. Like, things that I didn't expect to happen would. Like, I would throw a bomb at a rock, like, to get gems out of it and detonate it too early accidentally and hit myself. And then plummet off of a cliff. And then, like, try to open my paraglider. And it would go for, like, a little while, and then there'd be a rock wall, and I'd grab onto it, not realizing that I was already out of stamina. I grab onto the rock, I fall into the lava, <laughs> and it puts me right back up by the rock, and there's a diamond sitting there. I was like, that was just really good. Like, that was a great moment. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, very fast. It was really quick. Wait, only a few seconds. Yeah. See, you were, you were just an old, old video game hat. You were tired. You've been you've been through some shit. You yeah. thought you'd seen it all, and lo and behold, 
you ended up getting blown into some lava and given a diamond. And, like, that's all you need, really. That's it. I found the diamond in the... In the I'm lava. gonna stop, yeah. That's what life's all about. The diamond in the lava. The diamond in the lava. Classic diamond in the lava moment. Speaking of that, like, the knockback can be, like, hilariously long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you get hit and you just go, like, rolling down the mountain. It's really like, annoying ugh. when you're just, like... I don't know how the game calculates, like, your roll damage. Yeah. But where you're just, like... You're rolling, and then you roll, like, a quarter turn more, and then take, like, half a heart. It's like, really? Like, that was all it took. Link was just barely hanging on by a thread. It was, like, that little turn. Just did it. You love, like, hills and mountains that have, like, about a 50-degree angle to them, because you'll just roll down them forever, like, until you get to the bottom. It's a good time. It's a great chance. I had uh, something that can probably be easily spliced into the prior tiny master sword conversation. Oh, it's a tiny master sword. sword? Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. It's like a dagger sword. It's like a tooth of master. <laughs> master day. Yeah. Master. Like, goddamn, the balls on these people for gating the master sword mechanically and not narratively. Can you imagine, like, in a boardroom at Nintendo, being the person who has to like present that as the moment like one of the key narrative moments in the entirety of the zelda series the thing that you always expect is just going to happen eventually when it comes to you so long as you keep having some forward momentum of some kind like oh god it's the whole master sword sequence even like tying it into like the sort of whimsical korok place and the way that the music swells every time you're around there to try and like go and make your next attempt at grabbing the sword right the music as a side note i always i thought they used really really well and reminded me of the way that i thought you andy wanted music to be used in dark souls sort yes. of yeah super good super uh, but like oh i what a great moment like i i the moment I found the place that the Master Sword rested, I was like, this is the only concern that I have in this game now. I'm doing nothing but finding <laughs> shrines, getting hearts, and coming back every time I get a new heart. <laughs> Literally, I really, yeah, I had a really weird moment there because I, I, I had kind of a habit through this game of completing shrines and then just never turning in the spirit orbs. And what? Because it takes too long. It, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it saves in the trick if he turns in two at the same time. I mean, like, why it's go true. to that goddess statue and just... I mean, frankly, if you couldn't skip the little cutscene at the start and end of every shrine, I don't think Jad would have even done any of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, zero out of ten. Actually, okay, actually not lying... To be fair, those cutscenes are pretty annoying. They're, they're egregious. The yes. They are a little they, they, they get pretty annoying. The same with the blood moon. The blood moon rises. Oh yes. Yeah. Then why do you have to press two buttons to skip the blood moon cutscene? That is weird. Why did you? Why not just? Weird. Why don't I just stop playing but the blood moon cutscene? <laughs> I do agree with that. Speaking of the blood moon, though, first time that happened. It's scary incredible. every time. Oh yeah, right. Every oh. time, I'm always like, "What's like, happening?" You don't know it's coming. Like, what is this shit? Yeah, like yeah. It just the, like the red wind blows in. And you're like. Huh? Huh? <laughs> you know, like, what? <laughs> like Twilight Princess, like embers that look like technology you know, just sort of like rise above yeah. from the ground. Oh, the Blood Moon itself is all, even later Beautiful. iterations are just always freaky looking yep. and intimidating. Do, do they ever in the game? I feel like I missed this. I never watched it a second time. Give you a narrative explanation for why the fuck the Blood Moon exists? Because I never got closure on that. That's a well, I assume question, it's like the Blood Moon just in real life. Oh, yeah, you're supposed yeah. to find out why the blood moon happens. Isn't that a side quest? 
Uh, not a side quest, but a guy says... A guy tries to teach you about the Blood Moon, but he only explains, like, the mechanical implications of the Blood Moon. I found him, like, way late in the game. I found him pretty early, actually. Uh, He's, like, right by the shrine, or the stable that's, like, through the Dueling Peaks. Yeah. Uh, But the the thing that came to my mind was, like, is it, like, filling up with, like, the blood of the enemies you've killed? Like, you've killed oh so many, and then <laughs> no. it just, like, triggers the blood. I can confirm... It's just a strict timing, right? Yeah, it's, it's every eight no. days. Yeah, you're, you're no, wrong it's about not, it. It's not. I noticed it's this random. from going through the final boss zone. The blood moon happened twice in a single day for me. That, oh, I also had that happen. Or did you go on, like, a huge murder spree that day? I don't know. I don't. I never figured out, like you said, apparently, what triggers it, but I knew it wasn't daily like I thought it yeah, was. Yeah, it, it's, it's a random chance. I don't know what the parameters are. I There's a, a side quest. It's a shrine quest. Uh, the real shrine, shrine quest. Uh, there's, you have to kill three Henoxes, which if you ever run into them, are like the giants with the Cyclops eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I killed, the way that I kill those guys, literally every time, is I spin around in a circle while they're still asleep, uh, and I go like, bonk, 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 and then hit them with a burst of fury, so the lightning comes down, and usually they die in like one go, like they don't get to attack me. I did that, you have three charges on that attack. I... Killed one, got his ball, put it in the hole. Killed the second one, got his ball, put it in the hole. Killed the third one, got his ball, started walking back. A blood moon happened. He, like, the ball vanished <laughs> and went back to him. Oh, and then respawned. I killed him again without a versus fury, so I had to, like, learn how to fight them by shooting him in the eye with an arrow. Uh, Got the ball, started walking back. Second blood moon. <laughs> One hour later. <laughs> and, yeah, I had to do it. So I killed him five times, basically. It was ridiculous. So, but we don't know exactly. It's just no idea what the I swore that NPC said that it happened like every eight days or something. Me too. But I, I've i got <laughs> confirmation. I, I, I it just, just a, fucking triggers. It could just be a glitch. I, I, I had okay. it happen to me, like, twice, where, like, it just happened twice in one day. Yeah. I was like, uh... I mean, it's probably okay. not English, but I guess it could be. Maybe it's just another way Nintendo wanted to make the Blood Moon constantly terrifying. Sure. Some kind of Eldritch Horror thing Honestly, like, I start trying to run faster, as if I can escape it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm zigzagging no, up the mountain, yeah. like, no! And it's... What do I think's gonna happen? Right. Man. I don't know, the one other thing that I had, I actually... Yeah, this is like the one thing I don't want to spoil for these two guys. No. Alright, uh, next time. Uh, what are we we're talking t- about next time? <laughs> <laughs> next time, we'll tell you what we're talking about next, next time. time. It's the lead-in for the second half of our discussion about Breath of the Wild. We're going to have to do that. Do, is, this, okay, is there anything we want to conclude on about Breath of the Wild? Uh, don't find to be a fucking completionist about this game. Uh, go ahead and be a fucking completionist about this game. Uh, a lot of the content is super quality. Ignore the Korax. Ignore the Korax. Oh, you're you know you're on thin ice with Janelle. Do you know how many there are? No, 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 not no, generally. Don't, don't ignore the babes. Just ignore no. the ones that are hiding under rocks. Yeah. All the other, like, 147 of them that you just can't find. There are 900 Right, my Korax. point is you might be able to find, like, 753, really yeah. okay, but the other 147, just let them go. Just let them go. Just let it go. Yeah. They're, they're, they're happy, they're waiting mm-hmm. for someone to find them. You've found so many other Koraks. 
that they'll probably find the other they ones will. eventually. It's, yeah. like, it's hide and seek, but it's they'll arbitrary. They'll send out a search find. with the ones yes. you found, yeah. and you'll be good. It seems that that guy at the at the Deku tree, he seems like a short a search party like creating yeah, kind so of the dude. one with like extra mushrooms all over him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the cool hat. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Definitely. I know, I know so don't ignore the Koroks. Just you know. You know, just go at your own pace. Just like just only pay attention to the ones who want to hang out. And not the ones who want to hang out under rocks on remote mountains. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Nether this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time we're gonna be talking about inside. Uh, a we we did confirm that, right? Yeah, we yes. definitely talking about inside. <laughs> not Possibly a, Breath of the Wild. Not, right a, not a doubt in my mind. Uh, Play Dead's follow up to Limbo and another two D platformer. Um, until then, you can get a hold of us. Uh, all of our contact information is on NoClipPodcast dot com. Uh, you can check us on iTunes, Google Play, all that good shit. Uh, thanks for listening. See you guys later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. That's it. Yeah, it's very fair. It's very yeah. fair. <laughs> 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 the end. <laughs> what are we talking about? Next yeah. time. <laughs>